Welcome back to Conversations on the Coast with Jim Foster. I'm not Jim Foster. I'm Robert Costa, the uh, technical producer, as I call myself, of the show for the last several years. Uh, Right, Jim? I am Jim Foster, but you know what? I don't have a book to talk about. Well, you just interviewed James Elroy. Yes. Well, in in a sense. Uh, James Elroy kind of interviews himself. You say, good afternoon. The guest is James Elroy. The title of the book, in this case, is Perfidia, and just get the heck out of the way and let let James go on. Now, the fact of the matter is that the book is Perfidia is doing very well. It uh, had a full page in last week's uh, New York Times book review. Great. Which means that our dear friends at Alfred A. Knopf also believe in it. <laughs> our favorite. Yes, which is nice. It's nice that Alfred believes in it. And... Uh, and now we've run out of books, and so we're interviewing me. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yes. <laughs> Book publishing is changing. We have no more books. <laughs> they all ran out. Yeah, they ran out. <laughs> Too bad. The reason we're doing this bonus half hour is because it's fun to do, and and also- We're here to have fun. <laughs> we're just here to have fun, not for any purpose here to do the show. Seriously, though, the radio station format is changing. This change was made at a very, very, very high level, like at the very top of the company. Right right near God. Right near God. Right near God. Right below that. That's where this was made. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be Bloomberg Radio. As of midnight tonight, in just a couple of hours, every show that is currently on the frequency you're listening to, 960 AM, will not be on anymore. If you're just hearing this for the first time, which you may be, because we haven't really talked about it on the station, I apologize in advance. But uh, yeah, this is, is really a big notice. I mean, you know, it's like six thirty now, quarter to seven. That's right. And in uh, less than six hours, it's over. However, we are going to be moving your program, Jim, over to a new radio station. Conversations on the coast goes on. It will be on Talk Nine Ten. Talk910.com is the website. And actually, if you go there, the show that actually just aired five minutes ago with James Elroy is up there. So if you missed part of the show or you didn't hear any of it and just tuned in right now, that's up on Talk910.com. Just go to the audio tab. It's on the main menu there. It says audio. And you'll see uh, Jim's name there. And just scroll down, click on that, and you'll be able to listen to the interview. That's really helpful, uh, particularly in reference to a an interview of Elroy, because uh, <clears throat> frequently I don't understand what he said, and I'm right here. So <laughs> the ability to you know tune in and, and hear it again, because he goes on in that rapid-fire way, and he's incredibly brilliant and bright. Very smart guy. And Very smart. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's worth listening again. So, well, one of the interesting things is that I've been doing uh, author interviews in this market for a number of years. I can't even remember how many, but at least 10 or so. And uh, I've had uh, all kinds of uh, producers. They they, they come and they go. Uh, But you have been the finest. You should know that. Thank you very much. always cooperative, always on the ball, and you know how to cover up, (laughs) which I need from time to time. So I, I really appreciate it. And that's one of the uh, sadder things about this thing going down is that uh, you and I now have to search together 
uh, for something else that we can do together. Right. Uh, but, you know, I'm an older person, but I'm, I'm into the new vocabulary. I am not out of a job. I am not on the street. I am in transition. <laughs> You're in transition. Yes. <laughs> That's a great phrase, and you say it so convincingly. Well, I learned it from people on my executive committee. And we should mention one of your executive committee members is here uh, today. She certainly is. Uh, would you introduce yourself, please? We don't know even what to call her other than she's on the executive Just board. Just on the executive committee. That's yeah, all. Same. Don't identify her any further. She'll take <laughs> over the whole damn show. <laughs> introduce yourself, please, executive committee member. I'm the executive committee member, Julie. Oh, see, not even a last yeah, she name. Wouldn't. I was thinking about yeah. that. I yeah, was thinking well. she wouldn't say her last name, so that's very good. I like the way she says Julie, but I, you know, <laughs> that's all we're going to get. <laughs> well, since we were getting uh, serious at the beginning, though, Jim, I want to tell you, too, that in the past, I used to be doing a lot more stuff directly regarding the radio stations, and now this is the only thing I do that is related directly related to content that is going yeah. on to the radio stations. Yeah. So. For me, it's great, and you are so fun to work with because you're you're very quick witted. You're you're a, a personality. You're totally made for the the show business. Well, I, I, I feel really seriously. I you know I read the books <laughs> and then I forget what's in them, so I have to make a joke. That's <laughs> that's how I how I put that. How many radio stations have you been on over the years? I don't remember how many, but I remember some of them. The first one I was on was a, a terribly right-wing Christian radio station. Julia and I, the member of my executive committee, we, we had to take our car and drive out to the ocean's edge in order to pick up the station. The other station that I remember was the one, I guess, before we came here. And that was good in one way because I could easily walk to it. I was healthier you know, because I walked to the station. That was nice. So, in other words, when the station uh, had to change, that uh, affected your health. You should sue them. That's a great thought. That is really, <laughs> I hadn't, that hadn't come to me. That's what people do in America. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. So why did, why did you decide to do a show like this? That's what I've always wondered. We sort of talk about generally, but... How did you get into doing, this is a very unique, especially now, kind of show. There are no shows like this anymore, especially nope. on a commercial radio station. Not a public station, a commercial radio station. And you're doing a full-length, in-depth, half-hour interview with one person about their book. One book. <laughs> and it's it's not, they they weren't paying to, this. there's no money involved. You select which books you like and think are worthy of of an interview, and that's how you select the interviews. Yeah, that's the amazing part about this program. As long as it's been on, uh, I have totally controlled the content. Nobody else uh, says, well, well, you got to do this book, or you should, or won't you? Uh, I decide. Now, the reason I got into this is uh, that I have been in book publishing forever. My first job in book publishing goes back to 1957. Wow. I, I broke the child labor laws at the time, <laughs> and I began you know, working, working in, uh, in, in, in book publishing. And I've always been involved over all the years I've been in book publishing 
uh, with what are, we now call the promotional, the marketing side of things, uh, rather than, let's say, editorial or production. Okay. And Much different side. Yeah. When I came out here to San Francisco uh, with, with Harper and Rowe, and they rather summarily put me on the street, uh, I, I started driving authors around to various media outlets. And the thing that kept... That's what they call an escort, right? Yeah. No, we call it a media escort. A media escort. For okay. Yeah, reasons. big difference. Yes. Sorry about that. And uh, <laughs> I, would, I would take authors around, and i go into a radio station like the one we're sitting in now, and the interview would go on, and I realized that the person doing the interview, usually for very good reasons, I'm sure, never looked at the book. Never even Never looked at it. looked at the book because they had other things to do. And I had then the desire to do a radio program. The main unique thing about it would be that I would read the book first. <laughs> and that's how this show has been constituted ever since it began back in the middle or late 80s. So thank goodness that there were so many uh, lazy and competent people that were uh, doing these interviews because that inspired you. Those are my friends. <laughs> Those are my, because I'm lazy and incompetent in other ways. So, right. I mean, I'm, I'm not an enemy. I'm, I'm an ally, if anything. If someone uh, wanted to work in this crazy industry, especially now, how do they... How did you even get into publishing or marketing or or writing? I mean, those are all very, very different things, but it seems like the business has changed a lot, but everyone's still reading books. Like you, I go on the train every day. That's how I get to and from work here. Yeah. And everybody is reading books, but they're re not reading them usually in paper form. Some are still, but most of them are reading them on these electronic devices, right? Yes. So- are those as profitable to the the industry? Uh, are they still making money? Or? That's one of the most interesting uh, things going on in the book publishing industry right now. Uh, nobody knows the answer to that question. Uh, book publishing has been around for a long time, Mr. Gutenberg, et cetera. And so at some point they figured out how to get profit from publishing books. And... Uh, the devices, the other publishing platforms, as they're called, are a recent thing. Mm -hmm. And nobody has yet decided conclusively how to make money. They're all experimenting. There's a major uh, boycott, I guess you'd call it, going on between Hachette, which is a an international book publishing conglomerate, and our friends at Amazon. Hmm. as to the discount structure that Amazon is demanding to do the non-book books. And oh, it's, it's tying up all kinds of authors who are not having their books placed because Amazon won't touch them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at base is this question, how do you make money on a book that's not a book? <laughs> on, you know, the electronic... Because, right. The electronic form. And so that's that's an open question. The interesting thing is, for me, is that last Sunday in the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, there were a, a, 
a, a couple of articles on this whole business of of non-book books, as I think of them. And uh, one researcher in in talking to students found out something uh, that, that, that the young agreed with the old. Several years ago, I had a lawyer friend who told me that as one of the old guys at the firm, he directed all kinds of new folks, and they helped him in research. And he found that he couldn't work with them comfortably because they didn't read. They only looked at stuff on a screen. And I said, well, you're nuts. And he said, no. He said, I may be, but the fact of the matter is, and you can't argue otherwise, that reading print on a page is a different physical technical and aesthetic experience than reading the same material on a screen. And this is what they found out, this researcher found out, talking to young people talking today. To, interesting. So, that, they, you know, it is different. And, and, you know, all of these kinds of things make me think, and again, probably my age, that there is a future for books. For books. Incidentally... Our friend James Elroy said the same thing. James, you know, is a fantastic researcher. Has <laughs> he, he was, doesn't yeah. even he, he talked about even, that a little yeah, bit. He doesn't he? even have a typewriter, I don't think. I think he said that, yeah. Yeah. And he certainly doesn't have a computer. And he doesn't he, he writes with he a just, with a pen or a pencil. I think and I joked pens. to him. I think I joked to him off the air that uh, does he use a uh, stone tablet? And he said, <laughs> that would have been a great idea, actually. He never had tried that, he said. Chip, 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 chip. <laughs> oh. So what if someone, say someone listening right now uh, to this wonderful program, this is Jim Foster, the host of Conversations on the Coast, and I'm Robert, the uh, technical producer for the last few years of the show. The show is moving to talk910.com effective at midnight tonight. Actually, you can go there right now and listen to the interview with James Elroy, but don't don't go right now. No, because hey, what a, we're wait still a talking minute. for no. a few more minutes. Elroy's here. got his audience. We're trying to get one for me. <laughs> she. But say someone listening uh, out there has written something or has been thinking about writing. What What is the first thing they do? What is the first per who is the first person they call or to, to start the process? Say they already have something and they want to see if they can if it's any good or what I will I, I will give a very specific personal answer. The first person that they should get in contact with is somebody who is professional in the book industry, the book publishing industry, or who has had some professional experience. And it's very easy to do in this neck of the woods. There's a great bookstore up in Marin called Book Passage. Okay. And a gentleman that we've interviewed on our program runs something up there called The Path to Publishing. Sam Barry runs that. And they've been able you to— You interviewed him a couple yeah, weeks ago. we've interviewed him at least twice. And what, what Sam and the people at Book Passage have done, and it's, it's wonderful in answer to your question, is that it costs money, not a lot— They've been able to put professionals from all aspects of book publishing together on a roster, and you come in and have a one-on-one, -on -one, usually with Sam, decide where you are in your 
desire to publish a book and then turn you over to the appropriate professional so that you can move on from wherever you are to a step closer uh, to, to being published. Whatever stage you're in, yeah. Yeah, and this makes sense because in the old days when you either sent your manuscript over the transom or you used an agent to get it over the transom and present it for, for, for publication, mm-hmm. what you were getting or, quote, buying at that time, editorial support, production support, advertising support, and other forms of marketing support. Design the whole schmear. And, and now, That's great. as you know, we had a guy on here who walked off a major Simon & Schuster contract worth two point something million dollars and said, I'm not making enough there, so I'm going to do it on my own. And I, we talked to him and I said, well, what do you do about editorial expertise and what do you do about publicity? Mm-hmm. Oh, you hire them. I mean, what's the same thing? I mean, this right. thing of, book, of publishing cannot be done well without people to help. We call them professionals. Right. Well, that's a great answer. So if people book passage, they could just Google it or go to the website, yeah, I guess. Yeah, bookpassage.com. Bookpassage.com. And, and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be able even to find see a link there, I guess. Uh, across the top, among many other things you can you can hit, mm-hmm. uh, you'll, you'll see Path to Publishing. Great. Yeah. And this is not a promotion for book passage. I just, I just am interested in that answer well, no, because I, there's a lot yeah. of people listening. No, and, so. and 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 I did that research so that I could give a specific answer if the question came up because I don't think it helps anybody. Well, you know, you're gonna know somebody in publishing, right? Which is what you always hear. Yeah, so. your uncle Al got published several <laughs> years ago, and uh, his editor's been dead for twelve years. <laughs> wonderful company. So I appreciate the specific answer because I always get annoyed when I'm listening to something or watching something and that the answer is so generic that it doesn't yeah can't it doesn't, do anything doesn't mean it. a lot doesn't mean a lot. What is what is what's your favorite part of doing this show, a radio show interviewing authors? If you if there is any favorite part, my favorite part is something a, a little bit difficult to describe. Uh, I've I've read the book or most of it looked at the material sent to me by the publisher, written out my own notes and questions where I want to go in the interview. And the interview starts, and uh, when we prep the authors (laughs) for our 30 seconds before, I say, remember that the title of the show is Conversations on the Coast. So that though I have all these notes here, and I've done some work on the book, it's a conversation. So, you know, just be aware of that. Don't worry about where it's going. Yeah. And my greatest satisfaction is when that happens. When I'm sitting there with my notes and I'm proud I've read the book and all that stuff, and all of a sudden we're off. Yeah. Someplace where it's not in my notes, <laughs> it's not really in the book, and it is truly truly a conversation yeah truly somebody telling their story and i'm listening to their story and commenting on it that's what i love the best 
doesn't happen all that many times, but when it does, it's worth it. it makes worth it, all the effort. Yeah. And I think that to me, because I, I'm sitting here watching you do it, and you make it seem so effortless, and uh, the person you're interviewing, even if you never interviewed them before, I think that's part of what makes them feel so comfortable. And, and it sounds like you guys are friends forever, whoever you're talking with a lot of times, and you never even met them before. And I find that amazing because I, I haven't done that much stuff like this before, especially interviews. I've done more sports play-by-play -play back in the day than, than stuff like this. But it's not easy to, to, to do something like this and make it sound like just two people talking. That it's very difficult, and you listen to other shows and other yeah. talk shows, yeah. and a lot of times it sounds very, very forced. And your show never sounds that way. So, well, the reason the reason I think for that is that if you're an author and you've written a book, and people have prepared materials to send out to market the book, you know your book, and you know what in all that marketing stuff. And if you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden he or she is talking to you in a way and mentioning things that are nowhere in the marketing material, you've got them. The interviewer's got the author because, oh, my God, somebody actually read it. And they say that a lot. They've, yes, they do. There's been a lot of times <laughs> yes. where they've been they they're usually yeah. in complete shock that yeah wow like usually after the interview after you've finished already interviewing them they go man you actually read this thing <laughs> yeah. I find it so hilarious. Well, now the re the reason why well some of these books are 700 pages so yeah. maybe that's why they're impressed. The reason <laughs> well yeah that's Elroy they do that to you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> But the reason, one of the other reasons that they're really impressed is that in many cases, this is the end of the trail. I mean, they've been to New York and Boston and Chicago and Los Angeles and maybe Seattle and Portland, and I'm finishing up in San Francisco. <laughs> and, you know, it's not happened yet yeah. in all those places. And all of a sudden, here's some bloke out here on the edge of the Pacific where he used to listen to his radio program saying when i when i read that part of the book i i was really i was really angry or something like that mm -hmm. holy crap and you could only say that kind of thing by reading yeah. getting into it by right. reading the whole part you know That's not just right. the cliff notes yeah well i think we ran out of time already so um i went off my script that's good <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that means I'm one one hundredth or one one thousandth of the way to, You're on to, your to way. the level of you as ah, an interviewer. <laughs> please, please. Do you have a favorite author? Yes. That you've ever interviewed, or yes. do you not want to say? No, I always say who it is. I don't think I've ever say it, said it on the air, but I'm asked by other authors, and my favorite author is Calvin Trillin. Calvin Trillin is a longtime contributor to the New Yorker magazine and mm -hmm. has written probably some 15 or 20 books. Wow. And I, I used to drive him around. He called me and others doing that author haulers. That was his <laughs> dignified name for us. And and uh, we got close uh, when the uh, we had the earthquake. 
in 89. And uh, we were driving someplace in Berkeley, and we had to go across, you know, the bridge to Marin and then over because the other bridge was broken. Right. And so we had all this time, and we're sitting in, in traffic on 101 trying to make the turn towards the prison and the bridge. And uh, he said, well, he says to me, uh, did you get around to reading any of the book? Uh, yes, Calvin, I have. Well, he said, uh, pretty pretty funny book, huh? Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. And he said, what do you think it's about? I, well, it's about food? Well, I said, it's got a lot of food stuff in it. This is a book called Travels with Alice. What about travel? And they got a lot of travel. I said, yeah, it's got a lot of travel. Oh, he says, well, what, what do you really think the book is? I said, you really want to know? Yes. I said, this book is a love poem to your wife. And he said, holy crap, you got it. And <laughs> ever since then, <laughs> we've been bonded. And something was going on that I didn't knew nothing about. His wife, Alice, now deceased, had uh, just, you know, won her first round of cancer fight. And she hadn't been able to do anything for months. Brilliant mm. professional in her own right, mm. producer and writer. And so when she was finally well enough to travel, they took this big tour of Europe and Travels with Alice was the book. And I didn't know that. <laughs> wow. And that was that was a great moment. And uh, we- Maybe been, you're a psychic. Maybe you could be. Maybe you, you know, you can open a, a little shop on uh, Market Street and uh, open a psychic shop. Well, maybe right on the street itself. No, never mind. Jim the psychic. <laughs> Jim, Jim the sick psychic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we ran out of time here, but uh, Jim, it's been a pleasure working with you, and I look forward to. Uh, Working with you on the new uh, station, unfortunately, and the, in and when you, your show moves over to Talk Nine Ten, which it already has at talk910.com, we don't have a specific airtime slot for you. So uh, it'll be online at talk910.com, and then eventually in the next uh, week or so, it'll also be on iHeartRadio. Yes, which is the big all huge over thing. the world, all over the world. They'll yeah. be listening to Jim, Jim, right here. Right here. And our new <laughs> slogan will be, go to 910, we'll do it again. <laughs> that is great. Did you just come up with that? Once a copywriter, always a copywriter. <laughs> That's all there is to it. One final thing. Did you Do you think the Giants will go very far now that they've made the playoffs? Yes, uh, they will. Yes, really? they will. They, they, they'll be back in that old form where every game they face is an elimination game and nobody eliminates them, and we'll be parading down Market Street right under the windows of 910. That would be pretty amazing, though, considering yeah. all the injuries they've had. <laughs> It'll be a minor miracle. <laughs> Any final words, uh, Jim, or from the executive board here? The executive board may have a final word. <laughs> she has a lot of them. This is great, both of you. Go to nine. She doesn't know the, all the uh, practicing of the mic techniques that I've shown That's you true. over the years. <laughs> so that I can be heard by America. <laughs> now, it's, it, it's been a great run. It's been a fun run. And uh, I hope we can keep running. All right. Thanks for listening. 
Follow us on Twitter at JimFosterCoc or send an email to JimFosterCoc at gmail.com.